We're going to spend uh, nine weeks here talking about the gospel-centered life, right? Uh, this, this life, that we new life we have in Jesus and how it all begins to wrap around the gospel that we, we hear. And um, one of the things, as we start a study like this, I ask a very basic question. Because when you talk about a gospel-centered life, the first question I have is this. What's the gospel? What is the gospel? We did a study of the book of Romans this summer, and we were sitting there talking about the gospel. Paul's writing about the gospel so passionately. And I asked the group, what is the gospel anyway? And it was just like we were all like stuck, like, I don't know. I mean, we know, right? But, but there's something about it that we have a hard time sometimes articulating. What is it? Anybody want to share? What do you know the gospel to be? Huh? The good news. That's right. Euangelion, the Greek, actually, that's what it means. It's where our word evangelist comes from, someone who bears good news. What, what, is, what does it mean, the gospel? When we share this gospel-centered life, what does that mean? Huh? Jesus? Yeah, you walk with Jesus, is that what you said? I'm having a hard time. So it's got something to do with this Jesus guy, something. What? This is like one of those days you show up for class, you know, and the teacher has a pop quiz and you're like, I didn't study. This, I, I think part of the problem is that we're so, we're so used to it. We're so used to the good news that it doesn't really seem like good news. It seems like old news. That's kind of sad. Well, I'm going to cheat. We're going to cheat. We're going to look in the back of the book today. So if you brought your Bibles, go ahead and get them out. And I hope you brought one. And if you didn't bring your Bibles, I would encourage you to grab one off the end of the road there and look it up. It's on page 799. We're going to cheat because someone who came before us wrote down an exact definition of the gospel. This gospel definition is important because it's the gospel definition that was proclaimed 2,000 years ago. And it's still preserved for us today. So if you ever want to know what the gospel is, you can look it up here. It's laid out very clearly. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we're going to read a little bit around the main point of this, because I, I always get the context of what's happening. But, but Paul's writing to the church in Corinth. We've studied this Bible uh, book quite a bit this year. But he's writing to this church in Corinth, and, and he's going to explain something about the gospel that they heard and that they believed, right? And this is what it says in verse 1 of chapter 15. It says, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved. That's why it's good news. You hold firmly to the word, if you hold firmly to the word that I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. So you have this idea that you, you've, once, you've been saved by this gospel, but you have to hold firm to it. Read in verse 3. Here's what Paul's saying to the church in Corinth. Because what I received, it was a gift to him, I passed on to you as of first importance, the primary thing in your life. The most important thing you have to remember here, Paul's saying, is something I've given to you, and this is it, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here it is, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried, and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And I'm going to read on here because most of us, that's what we know of it, right? That Christ died for our sins, 
that he was buried, and the buried part means he was dead, 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 and then three days later, he was raised to life. We have a celebration every year called Easter. Easter is the pinnacle of, of the Christian calendar. We're coming up on Christmas, and some would argue that Christmas, the, the coming of Christ, is the pinnacle. And yet the truth is, if Jesus had been born, and Jesus had led a perfect life, and Jesus had died, Jesus would be some dead guy. But three days after he was dead in the tomb, God raised him from the dead, proving his deity and making this good news. Good news. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the, if you have that question asked of you, if you wonder what it is, that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried and raised on the third day. Now I'm going to read on here in verse 4. I mean verse 5. And that he then appeared to Peter... Interesting, right? Did Paul write this? And then he appeared to the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And I want to stop right there real quick. So first of all, it's Peter. And you remember, Peter ran to the tomb. So he appeared to Peter. Remember, first he appeared to Mary's, right, at the tomb. And then they ran back. And then he appears to Peter, right, and Peter sees him, and then he appears to the 12, right, the 12 uh, uh, the disciples, or the apostles, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at the same time. And what Paul says when he writes this letter to Corinth, most of these guys are still alive. This is good news because that guy was dead, and God raised him from the dead. And that's good news. You see, Jesus had raised others from the dead, but no one had been raised from the dead by God. And so 500 of these guys are still alive. That means you can go up, you can talk to them about it. You can go and ask them a question. You can grill them. You can ask them 20 questions, whatever you want to do to these guys, because they're still here with us, but some have fallen asleep. Look at what it says in verse 7, because this is where it's going to get to us and the good news for us, okay? In verse 7, it says, he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. That means all the ones who were sent, right? Apostolos. And last of all, Paul says, also to me as to one abnormally born. <laughs> you know, as to one who was born weird, right? Jesus appeared to me. You know the reason that Paul wrote so much in the New Testament and the reason that his writing is so important, especially to us Gentiles, non-Jews, is that God appeared and Jesus appeared to Paul. Jesus confronted Paul. Jesus knocked Paul off his high horse. Jesus required Paul to get right with God through him. Remember what he said? Why do you persecute me? Why are you offending me? I am God. Why are you doing this to me? The good news is good news for Paul because it wasn't just that he appeared to these guys before. It's that he appeared to me. He confronted me with a sin in my life. This is good news. Because if you go back to what it actually is described as, he's saying Christ died for our sins, not their sins. He died for our sins, and he was buried and raised on the third day. And then he appeared to me. Jesus is alive. And this becomes very good news. This gospel teaches us, or this, this passage teaches us what the gospel is in its basic form, Right? And many of us have heard this to the point that right now we could just say, hey, we're going to do an altar call. If you've never given your life to Christ, today's the day. 
If you've never trusted him as your savior, today's the day, right? I've been praying about something all week. I I don't think that we think we need it anymore as a society. I I think we think we've got it figured out, especially in this country. You know, I'm not broken. I don't need fixing. And yet everywhere I look, everything's broken. Everything needs the gospel. Everybody I talk to needs the gospel. Every morning when I wake up and look in the mirror, that guy needs the gospel. Every day. And yet we delude ourselves. We say, we're fine, we're fine. You know? And I think that's the problem we have as a society. This is old news, not good news. Jesus died, great. I'll even give you he's raised from the dead. So what? We don't believe that we need this good news anymore. But I'll tell you what another problem is. This is what we're going to spend some time talking about today. You know, by the grace of God, we're going to get to that. I really want to begin to talk as uh, what we're doing as a church to reach those who don't know Christ in Highland. Because there are people just spiraling out of control and have no hope, no plan, no future. And we have the good news and do nothing with it. So I want you to be thinking about that. Be praying about that. I hope that God's challenging you with that for this community. But in the meantime, too many of us who come to know Christ, who've had that moment where we've been rebuked by the living God, I've been there, where we said we are important and you're nothing, and God got us on our knees and said, listen, buddy, I'm God. You're nothing. We've had that moment, and we call that a conversion, right? Matter of fact, I want to show you something. I did a little something special graphics today. I got to turn off these lights here because this is killing us. So I, 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 did, I did something a little to see if these work. Maybe not. Maybe I pushed the wrong button. One more. There we go. So it's been a while since I've shared my artistic talents with you. So, so most of us, this is, the way the God, this is the way this looks to us, right? We're kind of rolling along here in life and everything's fine. And we have this moment. We have this moment right here. And this moment is an encounter with the living God. It's something that changes everything forever. You think you're fine, but you know you're not. You know what I mean? You're, you're self-deluded. You know what I'm saying? I'm okay. You're okay. We're okay. But you know everybody's a mess. Everyone's a mess. And you're, you're going along in life and you hit this point. And God reveals himself to us. Oh, yeah, this is a timeline. <laughs> All right. Can you guys see that in the back? It's kind of hard, isn't it? I, I do my best work. I, oh, yeah, Mary Alice has got it back there. So this is this point. This point right here in time is the point that we call conversion, where we encounter the living God, and God changes us in some profound way. And at this point of conversion, we meet this guy named Jesus. And and this point doesn't come the same for everybody. I mean, this point comes for some people as God reveals himself and then reveals his son. You remember last week we talked about the man that was born blind? And then he was first healed. He could first see before Jesus said, do you know who the son of man is? Jesus had done his work in this man's life before he asked him to commit to himself. This is a pretty normal procedure. If you're a non-believer, you're going to maybe experience this in your life. I pray that would be the truth. I pray you would experience it. Because once you know that God is real, and once you meet this guy named Jesus, things are going to change for you. And that creates these two. By the way, this, if you went to the family group this week, you should look, this should look familiar to you, right? Now, if you go to family groups, 
it's a lot better art than this. <laughs> you know, they, they have professional graphic artists. But, but this is my interpretation of, of their presentation. And so these two lines kind of converge after this point of conversion, right? This point of, of, of change, of transforming. Something happens. And at this point, we meet, we meet Christ. And I'll tell you, the most amazing thing in the world is you know in that moment that you had no peace with God. You know deep in your being for all of your self-righteousness, you had no hope in the world. And you meet Jesus and you hear about his cross and you hear about the perfect sacrifice that atones for all sins and you know that through him and through him on the cross and through his testimony and through his resurrection, we have life and have it abundantly and you know for the first time ever, this bridge has been, ga- this gap has been bridged by the cross of Christ. That a place you couldn't get was given to you. And it seems amazing. It's such good news. We talked about that last week. It's such good news. Because these two worlds you thought would never come together. I will never understand it. I will never have peace with it. Christ bridges that gap for us. And so we kind of, but here's the problem. For many of us, that's the end of it. That's it. I'll tell you one of the saddest things, and I'll tell it by, this, by way of confession to you. I got really convicted this week that we always tell our salvation stories in hindsight. You know, one of the craziest things that you'll do if you become a believer in Jesus is you'll have people who have believed them for a while and they'll listen to your testimony and they'll give you advice on how to clean it up. You know, that, that's too complicated. You have to be able to tell it in, in 30 words or less. No one's going to listen that long. You say things like that blind guy, I once was blind, but now I see. That's your early testimony. Christ bridged this gap I couldn't get over. That's your early testimony. And what we become is a people who are always looking back. But the good news is that Christ is in front of us, not behind us. The sad thing is that for most of us, what I got convicted about this week, is I always tell my salvation story as if it happened before, as if it was old news. But you see, these two lines here are going off in different directions. And that's what I want to talk about today. Because too many of us have believed the gospel is this. Don't know Jesus? Accept him. You're saved. I got news for you. The gospel of Jesus Christ is more than punching a ticket so you can ride the happy bus to heaven. It's more. And if we make it that, are you saved? Good. Next. Are you saved? Good. Next, we are missing the point of why Jesus Christ died on the cross. If we don't face ourselves every day and need the gospel, we are missing the point of Jesus on the cross. So, today we're going to talk about growing with the gospel, right? And this is the first week of the study, but we're going to talk about what it means to grow, to grow with the gospel. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Father God, today, as your word has already begun to speak in our hearts, I pray we would have ears to hear and eyes to see, minds that are open, hearts that are soft, 
not because we can, because we can't. We are, we are sinners. We are hopeless. We can't let go of it. We know that. And yet today, Lord, we know that you can, that through you all things are possible today. And so today, Father, we give you this time. Even if we're reluctant, we give you this time. Even if we're not ready, we give you this time, Father God, to do your work in our lives. Be God to us today. We love you and thank you. We praise you for Jesus, and we know this work will be done in his name, by your spirit. Amen. So I want to go back to this line drawing real quick here. Because I want to say that after you become a believer in Jesus, and many of you have checked out, and you keep talking about this time of your life, which is important, don't get me wrong, it's very important, but after that, there becomes this time of growing awareness, new stuff that you've never seen before, you had no idea what was going on, and this is what it is. I want to put awareness because we've always known, I mean, it's always been there, but we've not always known. It's like that man who couldn't see. The world always existed. He just couldn't see it. He couldn't see it. So there's a couple of things here. The top line represents God's holiness. And one thing that you'll realize after you become a believer in Jesus Christ is that his holiness is infinite. You read the First Testament, and it will tell you the stories of God, who is the holy God, the almighty God, Isaiah 6. The, 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 the foundations tremble at this God. He's not the God. He's not the buddy in your pocket God. He's not the friendly neighborhood Jesus. He's holy God. And I'm going to say to you today that Jesus represents that holy God to us. He is holy. One of the greatest mysteries of Jesus is how he could sit down with tax collectors and sinners, as the Bible says, and break bread with them. How he can sit down at the table with us when we're making a mess of everything and love us anyway. It's the divine mystery of what he does. He's completely holy, utterly perfect. And you don't realize this until you come to salvation in Jesus. The second line on the bottom there is you have a growing awareness of my own sinfulness. And this is where we all start to break down as Christians because we think people will tell us the lie that the minute you meet Jesus, you're okay forever. And the truth is that God continually reveals through his spirit all the things that aren't right, all the things that need changing in our own lives, in the lives of our neighbors. And you can become like kind of desperate. The good news starts to sound like bad news because this chasm is growing. And you find yourself crying out to have reconciliation again. I didn't know how bad I was. Paul says it. I was an offense to God. He didn't know it before he was converted. He knew it after he was converted. And the lions, they go like this forever. They grow forever. This gap grows between God's holiness and our sinfulness. And we journey through this time, we're going to talk about this next week, and we keep looking back, looking back, looking back, and not looking forward to the gospel in our lives. So then what we see here, and this is what we're talking about today, is how as we get this recognition of the gospel growing, it covers the gap. As a matter of fact, the truth is the gaps aren't different. They've been that way all along. But when you're, when you're brand new to Jesus, it seems like, oh, he made peace here. And then like a year later, you realize like, but this gap, who's covering this? Jesus is. He still covers it. 
the gospel grows in our lives. And then it grows, and it grows, and it grows. And our testimony about being saved isn't back there, it's up there. It's forward. I once was lost, but now I'm found. The holy God of all creation, the God that you read of in Isaiah, is the same one who loved me enough to die for my sins. And the cross covers the gap, and the cross grows. And this is the gospel that we need to know. I want to show you this in the Bible. Let's look at it in um, Corinthians, the book of, or a book of um, Colossians, I should say. Chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. We're going to be going backwards, so by the way, if you don't know where it's at in the Bible, just start kind of going backwards from where you're at and you'll find it. All of our motions are going to be towards the end of the Bible today. We're going to be looking at Colossians, uh, page 817 of our Bibles there you'll see, and it's uh, verse 3 through 6 in the first chapter. And again, we're going to cover a little bit of ground around it to give you the context of what Paul's doing here, but I want you to hear the presentation he makes of the gospel that grows, the growing gospel. He says this in verse 3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you've already heard about in the word of truth. I just want to stop right there for a moment, right? So he's saying, uh, we always give thanks for you because you've received hope. Where? Hope for eternity, hope for heaven, hope for, hope for what's coming for you, not what's behind, the things that are stored up, the expectations of what lies ahead. Look at verse 5. It says, stored up for you in heaven, that you've already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. And so the first thing is that we know that this growing gospel has come to us. We didn't go to it. You didn't make the right decision. Christ chose. And so in this place, the gospel comes to us, and it says this, all over the world, look at what Paul says, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you first heard it and understood God's grace and all its truth, right? So the gospel's been known all over, and the gospel is growing. And I'm going to make a kind of a counter-argument to many of what many people are saying today, the gospel is still growing. You listen to folks and they act like the gospel has been stopped, it's been thwarted, you know. The gospel still extends, it still grows. As a matter of fact, our call as the body of Christ is to grow the gospel in the world and that includes our little corner of the world here in Highland. The gospel should be growing here in Highland. It's discouraging to listen to some Christians say there's no growth all over the world, Paul says, this gospel is what? Bearing fruit and growing. And then he makes kind of an analogy, just like it's been doing in you. So the gospel is growing first in all the world. But then the second part we're going to talk about today is the gospel is growing in you. The word of truth that you first received is growing in you. We talked a few weeks ago about how Christ is asking us to grow up. Why? Because the gospel is outgrowing you. You should be growing into the gospel that you've received. It's been growing in you since the day you heard it. And listen to what it says, understood God's grace in all its truth. 
You know how the gospel grows? It grows through your understanding of your need for it. Look at what it says in the, right there in verse 6. Since the day you heard it, right, so you heard the gospel, and you understood it, and you understood God's grace in all its truth. I love the word for truth in the Bible. You know what the truth in the Bible means? No lie. It's an exclusive term. It means there's nothing lying here. No lie. That the gospel you've received and this knowledge of God's grace that doesn't lie in your life. This is the gospel that grows. It's God's grace in all of its truth. And here's the problem. If, if we think about that chart that happened a minute ago, if we keep looking back to that little cross, and we keep looking to this great big chasm that we see ahead of us, and we don't understand that that cross covers this chasm, then we keep saying that the gospel isn't, isn't good enough to cover this. It's not big enough. And we are denying what he says right here is God's grace in all its truth. That means a lot of stuff for us as believers. It means we can be honest about where we are. Oh. Did you wake up this morning and need Jesus? I mean it. Did you wake up this morning and need Jesus in your life? Like desperately need him today? Should. Because you should look ahead in your life and say, there's no way I can do this. No way I can go forward without you today. The gospel is growing in you. You have to understand that it's God's grace in all its truth. It's just a gift. Remember we talked about it a few weeks ago. He portioned each person the grace Jesus did. He gave you the grace you need. For what? For yesterday? No. Yeah, yesterday. But tomorrow, you've been given the grace that you need. Grow into it. Grow into it. Wake up every morning and say to yourself, Jesus, if you didn't die on the cross and if gospel wasn't real, I couldn't make today. I couldn't survive it. Cover today. That's our call. To, to, to go after the gospel, to believe the gospel. Here's the truth. God has grace for you today, you know? Like I want you to hear that God has grace for whatever you're going through. I mean, however hard it is, however good it is, however whatever it is, however confusing it is, I want you to walk out of here today believing that God's grace through Jesus Christ has covered it has covered it, head to toe, top to bottom, beginning to end, the very first breath to the very last breath to all eternity. His grace has covered it for you. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's covered. And whatever it is today, I pray you would know that, that God has grace for you today. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is this. It's that we grow through the gospel. Flip back a few more with me here. Let's see. In 2 Peter 8.42. By the way, this is really interesting too because Paul and Peter, you remember that, that Peter and Paul, they didn't necessarily always get along the best, you know? I mean, they kind of had these two different world views or maybe two different missions in the world, I would say, and they kind of were going separate ways and we love that kind of that engagement that Paul and, and Peter had. You know, they would go and they would really kind of have it out about this gospel that they knew. And yet they both affirm the same gospel. And this letter is actually not written by Paul, but obviously it's written by Peter, right? And this is the second letter we have recorded in the Bible from Peter. And we're going to read in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 2. This is what it says. 
Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now that's a pretty typical opening. And by the way, if you ever want to kind of help people out in your life, open with words like that. You know, send an email and instead of like going right to the, the throat of what you need, send an email where it says grace and peace be yours in abundance, <laughs> you know, and then see how your words are received. But Peter writes this opening, and I, I left it in for a reason, because it's through the knowledge of God, he says, and may it be yours in abundance, right, to the full, through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. There's all kinds of theological beliefs that he's packed in that one sentence about your life. Let's read on in verse 3. Jesus' divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And sometimes these seem overwhelming, but I want you to hear two things out of that sentence. The first is this, that Jesus' divine power, his godly power, his holy power has given us not some of the things we need, not a little bit of what we need, not just sort of what we need, but everything we need for two things. And here it is. Here's those diverging lines again. For life and for godliness. And I want to tell you that if one of those two things don't scare you, I'm not sure what world you're looking at. Because I see God's holiness up there, and I can't get there from here. And I see our worldliness down here, and I can't get out of this mess. I can't make it. And he says that his divine power has been given us through the knowledge that we have of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. That's Jesus Christ. He called you. He called me out of the muck and into the kingdom. This is the bridge that the cross builds for us. Verse 4 tells it again. Through these, right, he has given us his very great and precious promises. So now we have promises in this good news, this gospel, so that through them you may participate in a divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. I mean, have you ever just wanted to beat sin in your life? Jesus can do that for you. Have you ever wanted to climb up out of the muck? Jesus can do that for you. The work is finished. Look at what it says. His great promises so that through what? Through his promises, his promises is the gospel, it's the good news. We talked about it earlier. That through them, you can participate in the divine nature. That scares me. You know what I'm always saying to people? Don't look at me, look at God. I'm a mess. Don't look at me, look at God. And Peter's saying that through the promises of the gospel, you can participate in a divine nature. God's holiness is in you. Wow. That's a lot to take in. That's a lot. And then the second part of it is this, and maybe you're more about this part of your life, escape from corruption in the world. It's all in the same fail swoop. Jesus pulls us up to his divinity. Now, I want to show you this next part. We're going to close here, but I want to show you. I hope this is getting you thinking. I hope it's preparing you because this is week one of a nine-week series on this good news that we find in Jesus Christ. But I want you to see what Peter says in verse 5. So he says, we have the gospel. We have the power. We have these two worlds that we can bring together. We can bridge this gap through Jesus Christ. But this is what he says. For this very reason, make every effort. Now, this is to us. 
I want you to see the progression. To add to your faith, goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And self-control, perseverance. And perseverance, godliness. And godliness, brotherly kindness. And brotherly kindness, love. That's crazy. I, I, I first want you to see the progression of what's happening there in that scripture. How it starts right there with faith, with a simple thing, a simple confession, a simple truth, a simple encounter with a living God, one that you have no idea what it's going to mean for your life. And Peter says, you start there at that moment of faith. You start there and you begin to build on it. You build from there. I want you to see how it progresses. And I, I'm going to ask you a question. And I've been praying about this all week. Where am I at in that? I want to be clear again. This isn't about achieving your way to the kingdom, but Peter is saying you've been empowered to do it. We talked before, it's like having the keys to the car, having keys to like the Corvette in the garage, having keys to the new Camaro that's setting out in the street and never driving it because you don't have one. Yeah, you do. And Peter says you've got it in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can live into this growth. So where are you at? You have your faith, then add goodness. It's a next step. You have your goodness, add knowledge. Knowledge, add self-control. I want to point out one more thing about this, which just blows me away. I want you to see the progression. It goes knowledge, self-control. After self-control is what? Perseverance. You know what that means? It means you're self-controlled for a long time. <laughs> That's what perseverance means. It means you don't quit. You're self-controlled for a long time. You be begin to persevere to win the battle, to win the war. And after perseverance, he says godliness. Now, this is the part that freaks me out in verse 7. After godliness, brotherly love. I mean, how many of us want to do it the other way around? I I'm going to try to love you first, apart from the gospel of Jesus. I I'm going to try to make a better relationship with you before I've done these other steps. Peter says here, the, the Bible testifies that godliness comes after perseverance. And after godliness comes brotherly kindness. And then after brotherly kindness comes love. That just blew me away. I hope you see that the progression is there. Matter of fact, today maybe you're saying, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I, I know where I'm at. I'm in that faith step. I'm, I'm that faith. Man, I'm, I'm hanging on. Try it. Test God in this. Try that next step. Exercise those new muscles that are just atrophying away, They're just wasting away in God's kingdom. If you don't think you can do it, I, I say today, ask God to grow me. Those prayers work. If you can't let go, hold up your hands and say, God, pry it away from me. Take it. He will. He will. Ask him for growth. You know, we were in the family groups this week, and at the end of the lesson, they started talking about some of the ways that we minimize the gospel. And I got to tell you, right there in the middle of a family group that I thought, you know, we're having a good time, we're having coffee, you know, we're all being sociable and stuff, God began to speak into hearts. I can only tell you because he spoke into mine. He started to challenge me about my belief of the gospel. I'm not saying I don't believe it. I believe it. I believe that Jesus died for my sins, was buried and raised again. 
But God started to say, why don't you live like it? Why don't you believe into it? Do you really? Trust me. There were six things that we were asked to reflect on that maybe we've been ignoring God or, or thwarting God in our lives. And, and, and he started to use those to cut right to the core. You've got to get in the family group. God's going to work mightily there. And the work began. Intimate questions that reveal our hearts that are hard towards God. Hearts that are minimizing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hearts that are thwarting the work he has laid out before us. Well, I want to close with a really simple question. Do you have faith in Jesus today? Have you found peace with God? I mean the kind of peace that, you know, the day didn't go well, but it'll be all right. God's in it. I can't possibly know where all of you have come from today, the journeys, but I can tell you this. God knows why you're here. God knows your heart. He knows your circumstance. And he's trying to do a work today. I'm wondering, did you ever make it to that narrow gate? Have you ever had that first moment where the cross will seem so huge, but you've not squeezed through. Maybe you're standing outside the gate and you're wondering, do I want to go in there? Do I want to commit to that? I've seen Christians. I've seen how they act. Well, I'm sorry. We don't act like Jesus often enough. Because on the other side of that gate is life. And life in abundance. And so if you've never gone, if you've never squeezed through there, if you've never asked Jesus to, to get the camel through the eye of a needle, I would encourage you today to receive him, to believe him. And even if your words are broken and you say, I just can't, Lord, help me with my unbelief, that's a biblical prayer to the Lord of all creation. He will hear it. I would invite you to pray today. I want to say this. The gospel is all about Jesus, nothing else. There's no other name. In John 10, 10, Jesus said this, I came so that you might have life and have it to the fullest. Have an abundance of life in me. In that same gospel, he said, I am the gate that you must come through. In that same gospel, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Nobody comes except through me. Let's pray. Jesus, today, wherever we stand in our journey, whether we're on the outside of the gate looking in terrified to become one of those Christians, or whether we're just knotting up your gate so people can't get in, Father, today I pray we would take that next step of faith with you, whatever it is. If there's things in our heart that we can't trust you with, I pray that by the power of your spirit you would rip it from us. You would, you would beat the sin in our lives. You would span that gap between our sinfulness and your holiness, our worldliness, and your kingdom. Today, the work is yours. The glory is yours. That's all we confess. We trust you today with our very souls, with everything that we have. Thank you for your word. Work in our hearts. Do these things in Jesus' name. Amen.